0: Welcome to the podcast, the destination for insightful discussions and interviews on the appreciation, conservation, and husbandry of reptiles, with a focus on turtles and tortoises. Now, let's join our team of turtle nerds. This is episode 72, if you're wondering, if you're keeping track at home. Really excited about that. Uh, We're excited about our guest tonight. We have Christine Light with us, who is... Absolutely wonderful. Um, Chris and I had the opportunity to – you really are. You really are. Cr- Chris and I had the opportunity to to hear you speak in person. Come on, Chris. You're a professional. I know. I- Get it together.
1: I was like, wow, I'm not screwing up, and then mm. – you Well,
0: know, somebody in Albuquerque needs a Herman's tortoise, everyone.
1: <laughs>
0: no biggie. No, but but Chris and I were able to go out to the TTPG conference in, in 2018 and see you speak, and you were just incredible.
1: Oh, thanks.
0: Yeah, I Where don't know what you're at? supposed to say to that besides just like thanks. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm not well, – Now not, it made it awkward.
1: There were some really good talks at that conference, but – and I'm not just saying this because you're right here in front of us, but that was definitely – Sure, my, you're not. No, seriously. It, it was my okay. favorite. It was definitely my favorite. It was so oh, awesome.
2: Oh,
0: awesome. Well, thank
1: and, you.
0: And yes, moving. So. And, you know, like I, I, I couldn't even recite all the – you know, ins and outs and that sort of thing, but it's like the Maya Angelou quote, like you remember how people make you feel. I just remember sitting in my seat and being so inspired hearing you talk and be like, why don't I know this person better? And, and everything. And, and this is what I wanted to lead with. Cause you guys, were looking,
2: you're going to make me cry guys. This,
0: <laughs> that's the goal. That's that the, goal. the goal. Okay. But I remember sitting there and okay, let me take you back to 2018 Anthony for a second. Okay. This is an important part of telling the story. <clears throat> so Andrew Hermes helped me get to the conference because like, I didn't even know where it was coming from. Like I have two young kids and I was trying to like rub some pennies together and make it happen. Andrew's like, don't even worry. I'll help you out with your travel, like whatever. Um, because he wanted to to have us there whatever, which was incredible. He's so selfless and, and it was awesome. And fast forward. Um, I was in a little bit of a different situation when the conference actually started. I had a couple dollars in my pocket, which was a really nice feeling. And they were burning a hole in my pocket by that point. But you asked people for support for the amazing work you were doing. And I had just had someone help me get to the conference because that's what type of situation I was in. And I held my dollar bill in the air. It was a $100 bill, actually. Because I was yeah. so moved, like I did not have it afterwards. I was like, "That was pretty dumb," but I, but I <laughs> wouldn't take it back in a second because I was just so moved by what you I'll were mail, doing. I'll
2: mail you a check. You so, a check.
0: so can we start there? Actually, it, of... was
2: Will, uh, Will Espen it was Will, Will was Will Oh yes,
0: yes. yes. It was he actually said, "Will Espen Shade. He said, "I have whatever." Yes,
1: yeah, and he yeah said, I he I up there he... on the podium, and he said, "Who wants? Who yeah. can match this?" Whatever, and half of us were like, yes. "Oh man, yeah," you know, but but yeah, like
2: we <laughs> went to uh... yeah. Anthony threw that threw that hundred up there, and so did Andrew. Andrew gave a hundred dollars
0: yes. as well. Yes, and just uh, so yeah. super proud yeah. moment, but but an awesome moment, and it was it was just so moving. So, could we start uh, instead of going with the cliche, like tell us about your start in reptiles or conservation or or turtles? Can can we start with kind of just the the work you were doing, uh, um, the work you are doing, and and kind of what you were talking about in 2018? Just to kind of uh, let people know what we know.
2: Yeah, sure. So, um, so I started working at the turtle conservancy in
0: 2013
2: and uh, I was there for about six months and, um, I got the stud book for the and. This was my first time actually working with turtles. I mean, I had worked with sea turtles in the past. I had worked with um, a painted terrapin that I rehabbed in um, in Denver. And we should talk about that as well because that's basically why I'm, I'm in turtle conservation. But anyway, um, so I, I got the stud book for Forrest and I and didn't really know much about them. So, uh, you know, went online, wanted to do some research about uh, the wild population and, literally there was nothing, you know? There was a little bit of work that um, Chris Hagen had done and Steve Platt, Steve Platt had done some work, but, oh, and, and um, Ian Ives also had done some work. But this is like, you know, I don't know, um, 15 or 10 years ago, so this is now 2013. So yeah, maybe 2005, um, Ian had done some work and Steve had done some work in 2007, I think it was. But other than that, there was no information at all. So it was also an SSP. Um, it's an SSP species. So, you know, one of the requirements is that you set goals as, uh, mm-hmm. as the SSP coordinator. So one of my goals was to, um, you know, to, to start a uh, in situ project with Forstens tortoises. So, um, yeah, so basically kind of started maybe you know, kind of thought about it in 2014, 2015. And then, um, in 2016 sort of, oh, I know it was the TSA conference in 2015. So I was talking to a couple people, um, you know, about starting this project, how I can get things going. And bear in mind, I had never done a project like this. I had never even really done field work, but I kind of get something in my head and I'm just like, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah so just talking to a couple of people at the conference um Peter Paul Van Dyke I talked to uh, Anders Rodine, and I came back from the conference and was just super motivated I'm like okay I'm gonna do this so just got a you know a team together um Craig Stanford was on the team uh, Andrea Curry and um so the project yeah sort of started at the conference in 2015 and then um you know 2016 is uh, you know, was my first trip to Sulawesi. So, um, yeah, it's been a lot of ups and downs. I could spend probably hours <laughs> just talking about, uh, you know, talking about Sulawesi, but, um, yeah.
0: So, that's, that's so cool. I think for people who are, like, um, s- students of the game or fans or whatever, so to speak, Chris, you could always mute yourself if you want, um, you know, we <laughs> – we um, like to hear about kind of the ins and outs of how that stuff works, right? So, so when you say like you had the opportunity to actually go to Sulawesi, um, fourth largest island in Indonesia for anyone who's keeping track, and and home to two iconic uh, endemic species, the Forsten's tortoise and yeah. and, and um, uh, the Sulawesi forest turtle, um, why uh, better known as you want to why. Um, so when you're actually setting that up and trying to spearhead something like that, like what actually come goes into that? Because I don't think that that, like you don't see that part. Like I, for some reason I've been watching the crocodile hunter a lot lately, old reruns, like at, at night with my kids. Cause it's like relatively family friendly, although they probably have crocodile nightmares. Um, but you don't hear like what actually goes into like, okay, who are you talking to, to set up these trips, the partnerships you're making, how do you find the funding right. to get over there? That sort of thing. Cause you, could you speak a little bit about what, what it's like to set those up sure, without giving yeah. away all so your tricks? Yeah.
2: Well, it's extremely difficult, especially in a country like Indonesia. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you need a permit, first of all, a research permit, you also need a local counterpart. So a Western biologist, um, you know, can't just come into Sulawesi or, or Indonesia in general to do research on their own. So you need to partner up with local, um, you know, usually a local university, um, a, a LIPI, which is their research institute, um, but it's usually a university. So um, gosh, I'm trying to think back what I did. So. Um, Yes, we planned this trip, and it was sort of a reconnaissance trip, because I didn't have a permit. And technically, we had to be very careful about what we did. You know, we couldn't really post photos of us with any turtles that we found, um, because it would be considered, uh, you know, actually doing research. So um, I got a local guide who was a biologist, a biology student, and And he went along on the trip with us. And, you know, we just set up a bunch of meetings with uh, the local universities. And um, it's actually a a university in Sulawesi that Chris Hagen had presented at back in 2000, I think 2011. And literally, Borsten's tortoise uh, habitat is right outside their university. And they didn't even know that the tortoise existed there. So, you know, I did build off a lot of information that Chris had already done and also Steve Platt had already done. So I got a lot of contacts through them. So, you know, we met with this university. They became our, uh, one of our counterparts for the project. Um, we also got another counterpart in um, uh, uh, Bogor University, which is um, in West Java. And so now we have our counterparts. Now it's the process of getting a permit. Everyone told me that I'd never get the permit because it was extremely difficult to get a research permit in Indonesia. It took about, I'm going to say it took about a year to finally get the permit between, you know, the letters that you needed and, you know, these different size photos on red background for your permit. And um, it was insane trying to get the permit. So finally, got we you know I was successful in getting the permit, and at that time, Andrea Carillo was also on the project, so um, we got the permit jointly, um, and that was a huge step getting the permit to work in Indonesia. You know, everyone was just like, "Good luck! That's it's going to be really, really difficult." So, I felt like once I got the permit, I was you know kind of on my way to um, you know to getting this project
3: going. Sure. Yeah. I have a an like question for the permit oh yeah. when you get a chance. No, go ahead, please. Yeah. Oh, no, go ahead. All right. I was just going to say, uh, Indonesia has like over 17,000 islands. How does the government like manage that as far? I, I know you don't know the in-depth details, but how could they manage it? Say you went to a different island that you put on your permit. How would they even know?
2: Well, I mean, you have a little card that you're mm-hmm. technically supposed to carry around with you, and it specifically says you know, where you're doing research. There's like a 10 page document that I also had to carry around with me. Um, And I know a few institutions that actually have done research in Indonesia without a permit and they're banned right now from ever doing research in the country. So I definitely wasn't going to do any, yeah, yeah. I definitely wasn't gonna do anything that, you know, was gonna harm, um, you know, me keeping this
1: permit. And also, so once, oh, sorry. No, 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 you keep going. I'll I'll ask when you're done. Oh,
2: so so once I got the permit, I had to travel to Indonesia. I spent I think three days in Jakarta at the ministry getting all the documentation. Then I had to spend another like three days down in Bogor at immigration to get all the paperwork done down there. So it was about a week, five to seven days process to actually physically, you know, complete the, the permit process. So it was extremely difficult.
1: <laughs> yeah. Did they, um, did, you know, the way the permit works, did, did, was it was like a certain allotted amount of time and a certain time of year that you could be there or was it, you know, it's the year so, 2020 and you can go anytime in this year.
2: So I requested for five years and they gave me oh, a wow. permit for a year. Uh-huh. So I but every year I had to renew it. Right. I forgot I also had to go to immigration in um, in Los Angeles to actually have this um, <clears throat> special visa put into my um, my passport. okay so they had to like you know print it into the passport so I had to drive down to LA um, I live in Ventura so it's you know like two hours sometimes drop my passport off and then I had to go back like, I think it was five days, it took like five days for them to complete that process. So then I had a a visa in my passport and that's what I had to show when I went, you know, when I went to customs and immigration in Indonesia. Mm
1: -hmm. Wow.
2: And then every year I was supposed to renew, um, you know, renew my uh, my permit. And you, you know, I had to present, one of my counterparts actually presented to the government there, Um, You know, you have to present your results every, Mm -hmm. I I think I had to do quarterly updates. So I had to send, you know, quarterly updates on the project to the Indonesian government, um, you know, while I had the permit. Yeah.
1: Wow. That was
2: probably the most difficult part, (laughs) the most difficult part about the whole process. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Even just getting yourself there, like you're a true wildlife warrior, like working so hard to make this happen. I think that's why I wanted to kind of ask and kind of tease that out a little bit, because that's something that I think people don't realize a lot of people reach out all the time. You know, I want to get involved in conservation and I want to do this and like what it actually looks like, even to just get boots on the ground mm-hmm. for actual conservation work yeah. is is so incredible. And that's, yeah. that's wild.
1: Speaking of getting there, um, you know, and I, I recall a conversation that we had had with uh, Maurice Rodriguez a couple of years ago, or at least I did. I, I don't know if you were in on it, Anthony, but he had spoke about, you know, depending on where you're going in the world, the kinds of vaccinations you have to get to uh, to protect you from certain things that, you know, there. Did you have to go through anything like that to, to make sure you were safe?
2: Um, you know, I didn't get I didn't get anything. Mm -hmm. Um, I did take (laughs) malaria. I did. Yeah. I was like, I'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be fine. Um, I didn't take, um, I I did take malaria, malaria drugs, but Mm -hmm. I think it was my second trip. I had one of my bags stolen at the airport and my malaria drugs were, were in the bag. So my second trip, I, you know, I didn't take them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, I kind of, I don't think there were any, I don't think there were any vaccines that I actually needed. Um, They did recommend malaria drugs, but like mm-hmm. I said, you know, I took them one trip and they were expensive too, you know, the ones that I got. So I was just like, nah, you know, I'll be fine. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I'll be fine. Yeah. I didn't get malaria. A lot of other things happened to me, but malaria wasn't one of them.
0: Wow. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about some of the other things that happened to you? Like the, was it? what is that called? The jackfruit or something that Durian? fell in your head?
2: Oh, oh. my God.
0: Can we talk yeah. about, I
1: remember that. I remember seeing that on social to- media. Can we get a photo of that? Yeah. So show people what we're talking about. This thing you have is- to show yeah.
2: the the yeah the three photos actually because one of them's really well the one the one of me um, and then there's two uh, of my head. <laughs> so yes, okay, so we're in. Wow. Um, you know, force. So okay, who do I look like in that picture? Do I not look like Matt Patterson in that picture? <laughs> 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 like, I wish I had a picture of Matt so we can kind of put it side by side. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so that's, okay, so that is the um, the durian that hit me in the head. And so we're, we're in Forest and I Habitat working with this, this one family, and um, there were like maybe five of us, and we're walking, you know, under all these durian trees, and they're like 15 to 20 feet tall, these trees. And I don't know, we stopped for something to talk or to look at something. And all of a sudden, just like everything goes, you know, I can't see anything. And I just hear everyone screaming in in Bahasa, and Indonesian. And the only word I can make out is durian. So somebody comes over, they're like, lay down, lay down. And so I I lay down and there's just like, you know, blood, you know, like in my eyes and wow. my glasses are broken. Oh, man. Um, mm. So, yeah. So a, a, that durian fell from a tree. I don't know how high and um, yeah, it like hit me. I guess it must have hit me like right, you know, above my forehead. Luckily I had glasses on because it they probably could have taken an eye out and um yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty intense, and that happened luckily towards the end of my trip, so I didn't have mm-hmm. to you know right. deal with that for you know for the whole trip. But I mean, I didn't take a photo, but I had this you know my eye was all swollen. I had this giant black eye, and I remember going so, um, and we were far too. Like we had to walk a pretty long distance to get back to sort of civilization. Um, so I remember the guy who owns the farm with, that we were on. Um, you know, he got his little motorbike, and I'm on the back of the motorbike, and he takes me to the nurse. And um, I, you know, I taken I had studied Bahasa for like two years, but I mean, I'm by no means fluent. Um, so, you know, they, they're talking, and I'm thinking, I'm gonna die. I don't know. You know, I mean, who knows what, what's going on? And um, you know, she. Finally, she gave me the thumbs up, and she's like, "No, you're okay. You know, you're going to be okay." And uh, you know, they put they cleaned it up, they put some ointment on it, and gave me some um, antibiotics. And it cost her like a dollar, I think, like a dollar forty US <laughs> to, <laughs> to get all that.
0: Wow. Yeah,
2: oh, yeah, it was pretty funny. Yeah, so. Um, oh my Yeah, I I got hit in the head with a durian.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, you know, kind I, of my suck. <laughs> <laughs> my my wife doesn't want me to travel, so last year I was supposed to go to China, and she didn't really let me go. She said, "Oh, you can go next year," and then the pandemic happened, so that didn't happen. Okay. But she's yeah. she's convinced that I'm the person that will have a durian land on my forehead. No, so
1: you would s- you wouldn't even look; you'd catch it. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> I yeah. think you would just bump into it as you were walking. Yeah, you call. would. That too. Yeah, thank yeah, you. That wouldn't happen to you. Yeah, I yeah. Know, you just I'm put tall. your
2: hand up and and you catch it.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I didn't
2: tell like when it happened. I didn't tell my mom.
1: Right, my right. Because of course,
0: s- s- be freaked out every time you went in the future.
1: Yeah, that's oh crazy. Uh, Anthony's yeah. the kind of guy that would grab yeah. the fruit, hand at a dollar forty, and say, "Nice try."
0: No, that's not true. I would <laughs> die on impact.
1: Exactly. <laughs> I would die huh? on impact.
2: Have you guys have you guys ever tasted durian? No, is it good? Have you guys ever d- smelled or tasted durian? I didn't oh, know what it was
1: till you said. Awful. It- Really, wow! I just look at. Okay, so
2: it's it's sort of like it's sort of like this weird. You guys should Google. It's sort of like this weird, garlicky tasting fruit, and it's actually banned. Like you're not allowed to bring it into any hotels because it smells so bad. It smells like rotting flesh. Yeah, it's awful. So I had never tasted it, but every (laughs) and you know they love it. It's like everyone loves it over there. So you know they were just like, well, you have to eat the one that hit you. You know, I mean, you have to like conquer.
1: You know ah.
2: durian, and I tried some, and it was oh tasted disgusting. I was gonna ask yeah. if there was we any to...
0: superstitious stuff around that, like if you if if know. it was good luck to get hit with a with a durian like like it's good luck for a seagull to poop on you here <laughs> yes.
2: yeah um i I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, yeah, maybe oh. my worst enemy, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just um, yeah, it was um. It was intense. I mean, how, you know, how many? Uh, well, you know, people who do work like in durian, um, uh, you know, picking durians, they do wear hard hats. And I said that, you know, next time I go back, if I go to this area, I'm definitely um, going to wear a hard hat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, people have gotten killed by um, uh, coconuts, you know, because I mean, coconuts get, you know, enormous or even jackfruit. Like, jackfruit gets, I don't know, three or four times bigger than durian. But durian has little spikes on it so I don't know if you could like see in that picture but there's like yeah yeah so there's little spikes
0: I thought I thought jackfruits had the spikes
2: no jackfruit is sort of like little like little nubs you know it's kind of smooth Mm. um but durian has spikes so yeah basically just like slid down my face and you know yeah it was it was not pretty it was yeah it was awful
3: (laughs) A little side. I've fact always for gotten
2: everybody. hurt every time I go to Sulawesi. Thing happens.
3: <laughs> a, uh, a side fact for everybody: there are thirty recognized durio species. So you got hit by one out of thirty. Oh, you're. Kidding? Wow. You're you got, got twenty nine more tries.
2: I did. I did not know that. Wow, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. And actually, mine was fairly small, which is a good thing because I think if it was bigger, I mean, all joking aside. I mean, I, I could have possibly, yeah. you know,
1: yeah, yeah. Died. I could have died. <laughs> wow. Yeah.
2: So I could so laugh you, about it now, but it, do wasn't, you funny. Feel, it wasn't funny.
0: Then. After that happens, do you feel like, like I can conquer anything. I'm really lucky and I'm ready to save the world for turtles. Or do you feel like, man, maybe this is a sign that I shouldn't be working so hard and trying to, you know, shatter glass ceilings and turtle conservation or whatever like, what are you thinking after that?
2: I mean, after the durian, it it, it did take me down a notch a little bit. I was just like, I'm too old for this. What am I thinking? (laughs) You know? And yeah, but, but, you know, I, I, I got out of that, but right after it happened, I was just like, I I could be home, you know, on my couch, (laughs) you know, watching TV, you know, but, um, uh, but you know, my mind changed after that. But uh, yeah, I was sort of. I think I mean I've I've fallen in Sulawesi. You know, I've hurt my knee. Um, I'm kind of clumsy. I, I fall a lot. So you know, we're in these like uh, doing night surveys for Uwanawai in these like really fast flowing streams um, in the dark. You know, because it it's at night. And I, I can't count how many times I've fallen and, mm. you know, and, and that was fine because I'm used to it. You know, I'm used to being clumsy. Um, but the durian was sort of, yeah, because, I mean, nobody even there had ever heard of anybody else getting hit in the head with a durian. Wow, but here yeah. comes here comes Christine, you know, from, you know, <laughs> little, tall white girl from, you know, from California. And uh, yeah she gets hit in the head with a durian. So I was thinking maybe this isn't my calling. So, yeah.
1: Can you, um, speaking of the durian and, and, you know, it's clearly has something to do with the habitat. Can you talk more about the specifics of this habitat, what it was like to try to move through them? Cause we're, we're talking of, just for the, so the viewers know for Sulawesi, we're talking about two different colonians here that you're after, correct? Forsten's tortoise and the Sulawesi yes. forest turtle. So can you you right. can you tell us a little bit more especially for myself I'm always very curious about what these locations are like and to try to actually move through them because they're so untouched compared to you know the United States for example right All
2: Right, exactly yeah I'm sorry I didn't include any photos of the habitat I have some no, wonderful no, that's ones fine. but so um, you know obviously you want to why we were looking for just at night so um, uh, pretty fast flowing streams. There are some spots, you know, maybe knee-high, other spots, you know, sort of like up to your ankles, very, very rocky, um, very slippery, you know, a lot of algae. Um, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't as hard to find Yuan-O-I. Um, You know, they well, I was with guides and they found them all the time. So obviously they were spotting them left and right. You know, mm-hmm. we, we had no problems finding Iwanawai. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, a cooler water, um, I'm trying to remember we took temperatures like maybe, um, it, you know, low 70s, uh, you know, 70s was the water, uh, very clear, you know, very clear streams. Um, now forced and, and, and you know, flat. So, you know, you're not climbing up any hills, you know, or, or you know, any mountains to get to uh, forced and I habitat. Mm-hmm. Forced and I on the other hand, yes, very, very difficult. Um, it, you know, tons of canopy, uh, you know, a lot of brush to cut through, um, higher altitude. So you're, you know, you're, you're climbing these pretty steep, um, you know, pretty steep hills. And, um, yeah, I don't know if I, I don't think I've mentioned yet, but, um, you know, my, I'm not a field biologist, you know, that was not, you know, not my background. So, um, I also am a city girl. I grew up in New York. I went to, you know, high school and college in New York. So, um, you know, I, I never really did a lot of hiking, you know, or a, lot, or a lot of, um, you know, herping things like that. So, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think I, I picked probably, you know, one of the hardest places to work and, and you know, the <laughs> hardest habitat to, you know, to maneuver through. And yeah, I don't know what I was thinking, but, um, Yeah, for me, Forrest and I, looking for Forrest and I was really difficult, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of getting up those hills and super hot. You know, it's really hot. It's really humid. um, And then trying to find Forrest and I is, uh, you know, practically
1: impossible. I remember you talking about that, you know, um, when you did your talk at TTPG and how uh, it, it, you know, it's that much of a big deal to locate any of them.
2: Sorry, you broke up a little bit there, Chris? Oh, there I, I said,
1: I, re- I remember you, uh, at your talk, um, for TTPG, I remember you speaking about how difficult it was to find them. And then, you know, if one that does happen, it's, you know, that big of a deal because they're basically unseen. Right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, you know, Chris and I, Chris Hagen and I were, um, the, the first Western biologist, you know, documented to see forest and I in the wild. Um, I remember, well, okay, so we didn't find the forest and I, Um, you know, obviously our guide, you know, who knows where to look, he found him. Um, But I remember him calling out that he found one. And I just remember like literally running, (laughs) you know, running through the trees and, um, you know, cactus as well. There's a lot of cactus there, you know, invasive, uh, like a puntia cactus. Mm -hmm. And I remember my backpack getting caught on um, on some of the branches and I just didn't care. You know, my backpack went flying and I just, you know, I wanted to be like the first person to see this, you know, forest tortoise that, yeah. you, you know, I had wanted to find. And this was, um, when did Chris and I go last February, not this past February, the February before. So 2000 what was that 2019?
0: Right? Yeah. Beginning. Yeah. 2019.
2: 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was my fourth trip there. And, um, yeah, you know, never found a and tortoise. So obviously, you know, that's really, you know, was what I wanted, you know, wanted to see. And, um, yeah, so this forson's tortoise was, you know, in this, um, just mess of, uh, branches and, and I mean, you would never know unless you knew where to look,
1: Right. Right. you know,
2: so, so the guy, go- yeah. I mean, I would have walked right by it, um, but the guide left it. You know, he let me, um, it, you know, kind of take it out of, of the it's hiding space. And I mean, I, I think that in that photo, I'm I mean, I know I was crying <laughs> you know, I mean, because it was just like was the most exciting thing that sure. you know, happened to me was to find this, you know, find this tortoise. Um, sorry, I don't even remember your question now. <laughs>
0: I don't I even, it. Chris, I don't I don't even remember the question
2: <laughs> you were asking. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know I got so excited about the and Sport as I don't even, yeah.
1: <laughs> I have so, a question. That was so, one of the things that I remembered from the talk clearly was, yeah. Okay. and the emotion was captured in that, you know, and uh, you know what it almost kind of reminded me of, and I'm sure you guys can attest to this, is, you know, way, way less of a scale in terms of big deals, but kind of like, you know, just the first time, you know, you witness any of these animals in the wild going all the way back to your childhood, like the first time you maybe walk, you know, stumble across a box turtle in your backyard. It's just such an epic moment. But the species that you're dealing yeah. with and the, the length that you went to to go there to see it, like, I remember that moment of the talk just being like, yeah! you know, <laughs> like, it, it's awesome. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, it was it, it made the durian, you know, episode a little bit more bearable that I, you know, finally was able to see, uh, to see a forced in the wild.
0: That's incredible. Yeah. Some, now, can some I... bad news. So, yeah. Go ahead. go ahead, please.
2: Well, so, you know, unfortunately the, the guy that we were working with who, you know, took us out to find this Forstens, um, you know, we thought we could work with him and, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that we saw on Facebook that he actually went out a couple, I don't know, a week or so later and actually collected that tortoise. Because, you know, we processed it. We, um, you know, wow. we we uh, weighed it, measured it. We notched it. Um, you know, it was the first tor- uh, Forstens that we, you know, that we found. And pretty sure that he went out and collected it and, and, and sold it. So, really? yeah, kind of a downer. Yeah, I didn't mean to put a downer on the whole, yeah, the whole thing. But
1: wow. well, what leads um, you to that? Yeah, he's a you? huge, huge. Yeah, director. how did you find out about that?
2: No. Uh, So someone sent me a photo. um, I think it was, um, I can't remember who sent it, um, of, uh, like, from his Facebook page, this guy's Facebook page, and it looked like the tortoise was notched. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I mean, I can't, I'm not 100% sure, but, you know, he's still collecting, even though, Uh you know, we sort of had an agreement with him that he was going to stop
0: collecting. Um, So anyway, so yeah, okay, that's kind of a bummer. Mm -hmm. Now you mentioned Ives, um, but it's still a
2: great story, you know,
0: -hmm. sure. You mentioned Ann Ives work. Um, so is he mentioned in one of his, I think it was 2009 if I, if I'm remembering correctly, but he mentioned a Northern population and a Southern population for the Forston's tortoise and, um, one, and he hypothesized that, that, um, the Southern population was smaller and had the nuchal scute oh, yeah, to, question. to kind of get around in the shrubbery. Um, is that, are you hearing any more about that or any, I mean, it's tough because there's not many being found. So how do you substantiate that? But is that what you hear about the locals or were you in the Southern or Northern population?
2: So I, I actually saw four in, um, in both, areas. Um, we found the one, um, that we, the one I'm talking about in the, uh, Southern population. So like in Palu area, and it's definitely a different climate. It's a lot, a lot warmer and a lot, um, a little bit drier in Palu than it is in the, in the Northern area. So, um, yeah, the one that we, well, we didn't find one in the northern area, but we have a family that we worked with, um, a former hunter that we work mm-hmm. with, and he, you know, used to, he finds them all the time. And they definitely are bigger um, in the northern portion. Um, you know, honestly, I can't really remember about the whole Nugle Scoot thing. It, you know, it wasn't sort of something that I was necessarily paying attention to because you know, we were at this point just trying to find tortoises. Um, But I do know that any that we saw that were in captivity, um, there were some with nuchal scoots and some without. Mm. Um, So my thought is that a lot of the ones we saw in captivity were in the southern portion. And I highly doubt that they came from the northern portion. So I don't really know. I don't really have any you know, concrete information on that. And it's definitely something that, uh, is a really interesting question, but I feel at this point we really can't, uh, I can't even hypothesize about it because, um, you know, the, we don't have enough, enough data or enough information, um, you know, enough tortoises to look at to yeah. really make a, yeah. you know, a determination, but hopefully, you know, maybe down the road in a couple of years, you know, once, you know, we find more of a population, um, then, you know, we can look at that, you know, as one of our, you know, one of our, one of our research questions.
0: Awesome. Cool. Okay. So it's time. We're going to go to our feature. I have a million questions for you, Christine, but, but let's, uh, let's go to our first feature, Steve, if you would do the honors.
3: Minto's mailbag. I got to make a new one of those because I'm embarrassed by that (laughs) thing.
0: Yeah. His beard is not where it should be. You're right.
3: Uh, Uh, All right. So uh, a couple questions for you. Uh, Some is for everybody actually, but uh, this first one comes from Matthew Hills. Uh, What recommendations do you have for people wanting to follow your footsteps in other countries?
2: So, I mean, definitely go for it. You know what I mean? Like don't give up. Um, there's going to be a lot of setbacks. Um, you know, there's tons of times, like I said, when I got hit with the Durian, I was just like, oh, this is done. I'm not doing this anymore, but you just kind of have to just, you know, keep focusing and, and do research, especially, um, you know, working in other countries, um, you know, find out what their protocols are, maybe talk to other researchers who have already done, um, uh, you know, done, um, uh, projects in these countries, and that's what I did. I talked to a couple other people who, um, who had done research in Indonesia. So you know, they kind of gave, gave me a breakdown of you know what to expect and what you'll need for the permit. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, don't don't give up. You know, I, I'm obviously I'm glad that um, you know I didn't give up, and and it it won't be easy, but I would you know if it's something you're passionate about, then just you know you just got to go for it and deal with you know, all the issues that, that arise.
3: Okay. Awesome. Uh, second question. So you had said earlier that you went to, when you were getting the permits, you had to spend a few days in Jakarta, right? Yeah. Yeah. So during that time, did you, did you see like the infamous infamous, like, uh, you know, black, black market animals, like on the streets and stuff? Yeah. You know, I didn't go
2: to, um, just any of the markets really, um, uh, you know that kind of stuff. I don't like to see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's 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 difficult for me to to see that kind of stuff. Um, you know, we did go to a couple of just um, you know like sort of street ones, yeah. um, like smaller ones. Uh, a lot of birds. You know, they're okay. they're really into collecting birds and selling birds. Um, Turtle wise, what did we see? We saw some radiated tortoises. Um. um Sorry, somebody at my door. <laughs> uh, we talked to, we saw some radiated tortoises, um, uh, some Aldabra tortoises. Um, uh, what else?
0: Uh, some Diamondback
2: gonna... diamond Terrapins we saw. Jeez.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah, wow.
2: yeah we, now that I remember. Yeah, okay, so we did go to a couple of um, like pet stores, um, mm-hmm. basically looking for Forstins. And we saw That's tons, to you know, out, tons yeah. of Forstins. Yeah. Tons of Forstens. I think I went to four pet stores and, um, oh my gosh, somebody's at my door. Sorry. I'm right back. Go get
0: it. I was going to say, do you think, do you think they're going to knock again? (laughs) This is epic. This has never happened before.
3: Here's somebody in there. If it's It's, somebody dressed up as a Forstens.
0: Sorry, guys. So
2: uh, just a little, I live in a back house. So my landlords live in the front house and they have like a 13 year old daughter and she, she was just bringing me my mail. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> okay. Anyway, that's very nice. of her. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. She's the sweetest thing. And I moved in like five years ago and, um, so, you know, she was a lot younger and she would come in all the time and she loved, I have bearded dragons. And she loved to, uh, you know, hold my beardies, and she'd bring all our friends over and, and talk about my tortoises and teach them things. And so she's a really, really sweet little girl. But um, anyway, sorry about that. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, <laughs> okay, so,
3: yeah. Um, pet stores, you saw a ton of
2: forestons. Yeah. Yeah, so we saw, uh, I mean, every pet store we went into, there were at least like four or five, um, you know, forestons for sale, mostly small ones, you uh-huh. know, like... Um, juveniles, things like that. I know a couple you, of adults as well. Do you think there were um,
3: wild caught animals there, or do you foresee- them Oh, kept like Yeah, okay. Oh,
2: okay. no, no. Well, the, I mean, the thing with, um, uh, with, with Forsen's is that they're not protected. So, it, I mean, they can be collected. So it's, you know, it's oh, not gosh. like anybody's doing anything, you know, anything illegal. Oh. And the same same with Uwana, they're not protected either. But Uwanai has a uh, zero quota, so they can't be um, they can't be exported. Um, but Forst and I, they just raised the quota back up this year, and now it's it went down to 135 last mm-hmm. year, and they raised it back up to 150. And basically, I, I one of my counterparts worked for leapi which is the um, their their um, governmental research organization, and he said. One of the reasons they raised it is, you know, they had that big earthquake and tsunami um, okay. in 2000, 2018. And he said they raised it because, you know, people may have, um, uh, you know, lost their income on, you know, jobs that maybe went away because of the earthquake and tsunami. So they're giving them the opportunity to collect or even to eat, you know, if because the food supply. Um, you know, suffered as well from the earthquake. So, um, so they raised, you know, raised the quota back up to one hundred and fifty. So, you know, it's really difficult to, yeah, to try and protect a species that um, is not protected.
3: <laughs> yeah, sure. You
2: know, so yeah, yeah. and you and, talked
0: about okay the, the medical. The um, I, I apologize. The the medical. Um, care that you got costing $1.40. So what is a Forston and tortoise in and a pet store, a wild collected Forston tortoise in a pet store going for?
2: So, you know, it's interesting. The first year I went, we found, uh, came across two hunters and they had just collected two tortoises. And they were um, probably like sub-adults and they offered them to us for $10. Wow. Um, yeah, $10 for the two of them. And in the pet store, they were going for probably about maybe $10 to $15. And this was in 2000, 2017. So now this guy I was talking about, the one that I told you, you know, took us out into the field and, and sells tortoises. Well, I don't know what's happened over the last year, but um, I don't know. forstins have become extremely valuable and more people want them
1: mm-hmm. and
2: he was selling them for i think it was about 200 US dollars which is a ridiculous amount for for indonesia i mean you know things over there are not expensive you know i mean for instance i spent 100 i mean a dollar 40 you know for medical care right um so yeah, I mean, and he's selling them. You know, people are spending that kind of money. So so their value has really, really increased. They're extremely popular, um, popular pet in Indonesia, um, in Sulawesi, and also like in in West Java. So in Jakarta, Bogor area, you know, things like that. So, um, you know, so they do ship them, you know, ship them within Bali as well. So they will ship. Um, but yeah, they are extremely popular. Um, and yeah. yeah.
3: So it's it's a critically endangered animal, and if so many people have them there, why is it so hard to find them in the wild?
1: Yeah, I was going to ask that too.
2: Yeah. yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing. <laughs> um, you know, it seems like yeah, all these hunters are are you know knowing where to go to find them, but mm-hmm. you know, you have to find the right hunters to work with. You know, obviously, the hunters that we thought we could work with, they're not reliable. Um, mm-hmm. But it, you know, it's, you have to find the right group of people you know, to go look for, to go look for these tortoises. Yeah. Um, but even if you ask, um, like there, there's one family, one hunter that we work with up in the uh, northern part of Sulawesi and he's been, you know, he's hunted Forst and I for, I don't know, 20 years. And he said, you know, 10 years ago, he would go out, you know, and find maybe 20 tortoises in a week. He said, "Now he's lucky. Well, he doesn't hunt anymore, but he said, you know, he does go out to look for them, though, just you know, to to see them because he appreciates them now. Um, He maybe finds maybe if he's lucky one or two a week. Wow, wow. Yeah. So you know, so it's it's. I mean, obviously, like I said, they're difficult to find if you you know if you don't know where to look if you don't you know know exactly you know what time to go things like that." But even if you ask all the hunters there, it's definitely been a huge decline over the last decade, Um, you know, and, and a lot of people don't hunt them as much anymore because it's not it's not as profitable. You know, if you're if you're going out, you know, in a week 10 years ago and you're finding 20, but now you're going out and finding one or two a week that's not gonna put food on your table or that's not gonna make you a lot of profit. Um, So yeah, I mean, obviously they're still out there, likely in higher elevations probably. So, you know, people are looking lower elevations, easier to get to, um, but they have been known to occur in, you know, in higher elevations. So, but, you know, I think once people deplete the lower elevations, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna obviously move to the higher elevation. So,
3: yeah. That's what they do with giant tortoises also hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um,
2: they're going to. Yeah.
3: So that plays into my and, next and, question, actually. Oh, sorry. Keep going.
2: Oh, no, I was just going to say, you know, the government, you know, we they're just they're not going to give them protection unless there are some data showing that, you know, word of mouth or, you know, us saying, oh, well, we're talking to people and, and the numbers are declining. You know, they want hard evidence. They want mm-hmm. um, actual data. Um, before they'll do anything. So that's why this project, um, you know, this project is so important, um, you know, to actually get that data.
1: That's that's an ongoing issue with with just about anything involving these animals, regardless of species, is they just, and I understand, I get why they have to do certain things, you know, but it's just waiting too long, you know, all all of these, regardless of the species that we're talking about, you're talking about an animal that lives forever or should live forever, takes forever to mature, and by the time something is put in concrete, that's it. You know, now you're not seeing two it's a week; you're seeing two a month. You know, exactly. Kevin, it's go too late your, at that uh, point.
3: And it, next question? Yeah. yeah. Uh, these two questions are going to tie into each other. The next two. The first one is: uh, I didn't know that about the elevation for needs Actually, so for people that keep captive-bred animals, this is for everybody because I just I'm ignorant; I don't know this. Does barometric pressure play into things for that? Like, really? could potentially could force them to do better if they were living at a higher altitude say up in like Colorado versus in Connecticut which is I'm on the shoreline you know i don't think
2: that's going to affect it as much you know it weather wise you know like more humid environments yeah, I don't think the elevation is, okay. because like I said, they are in lower elevations as well. Um, I think if you have captains for captive forest ends, you know, you need to consider more your temperature, um, your humidity. I, I think things like that are going to play a bigger role in whether or not they do well, um, okay. you know, well or not. Yeah, I don't think, yeah, I'm trying to, I mean, I lived in, in Colorado, but I didn't have forest then. I can't, you know, I, I can't say, I'm sorry, guys. but.
3: <laughs> Good night. Oh, I'll see you in the morning.
2: Good Sorry. night. <laughs> no, that's fine. She's get it to together,
3: work. Veda. <laughs> I'll tell you tomorrow, Anthony. Oh my!
0: Uh, I see my kids walking out here right now. I'm just kidding. I love you so much. I'm totally kidding. I was going to bring I one love, of my bearded
2: dragons with me, yeah. but you can if you want. But uh, a short, they're both yeah. roommate. Well, they're both they're both roomating. They're sleeping, um, so. And none of my tortoises are on a sit still, so I didn't feel like bringing one yeah. of those would
0: do you don't want to get good. Pooped. You don't want to get pooped on, I, on mm-hmm. air. That's yeah. true. Yeah, that's true.
3: Yeah. Uh, so my final question, and it may not, it's not going to be the final question tonight, but mine for the mailbag is, uh, this comes from Andrew at uh, Arizona Tortoise Compound. Andrew! Hi, Christine, Andrew! <laughs> Christina, what are your views on captive breeding, and is it needed with force and tortoise, forest and tortoises, and why?
2: Oh, most definitely, I think. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, they're critically endangered. Um, according to IUCN, they're still listed as endangered because um, there's no one who can actually release the, the red list assessment. I worked on the assessment, so they are technically critically endangered. It just hasn't been released yet. Um, yeah, without a doubt.
0: Steve's talking to um, us, nobody can hear him.
2: Yes, I I know. That was the first time that he and it kind of caught I was See? just like, where is that? I was like, where is that voice coming from? Um, 53
0: minutes in, he decided to hit you with a bomb. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Yeah, he totally, totally threw me off. Um, yeah. I,
0: so, it, it always happens. Yeah.
2: Uh so I I don't I don't even know what he said, but um I don't I don't think it's been released that
1: he said it's in the I don't think the assessment's but it been, hasn't been released. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, okay, so yes, yeah, so so I did work on the assessment, which was cool, um, and they are technically, critically endangered. So captive breeding, yes, definitely. Um, uh, oh, okay, got it. Okay, so um, yeah, Excuse without me. a doubt. I mean, I, I I think that the imports of force and I have really dropped off. I know recently there's been quite a few, um, you know, people, if they see them, they they send them to me. Um, so I, I have noticed that recently, within the last month or so, there have been people importing them. Um, can't remember the person's name off the top of my head, um, but anyway. But I know it's not as much as it used to be in the past. I mean, I know yeah. you know they were yeah, imported they seem all the time. To be so
1: a relatively, I mean, maybe more so than relatively, but pretty rare tortoise. To you just don't really see them popping up, you know that much yeah
2: yeah not as much anymore yeah like I said just in the last month or so though there's been and you know what they could actually be the same group it's just different people trying to sell them Mm -hmm. and they're also selling trying to sell them for these crazy prices like Mm -hmm. I don't know what was it two thousand dollars for a pair or something I mean yeah it was ridiculous uh price that they were you know charging for these tortoises um so yeah captive reading for I definitely um you know they do well you know they do you know really well in captivity um as long as you have the right you know right conditions they're fairly hardy um and they're a really cool species you know they're they're pretty personable um they can be little jerks you know they you know i have small ones and they um you know they headbutt each other um you know, even the smallest one will headbutt the bigger one. Um, but they're they're a really cool species. So yeah, no captive breeding of forestans is um, definitely a must. And I had the stud book, so um, you know I got a lot of people into the stud book as well when I had it. Um, I think there were more private individuals actually um, once I finished the stud book than uh, ACA institutions that were you know that were participating. So so that was really cool. It was a lot more people participating in the stud book right now, um, which I think is, you know, really good. So yeah, no, totally for, uh, captive breeding forestlands. Yeah. yeah. I hope to do it one day. minor you know, when mine are older, but it's going to be a while. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now, can we take this now and, and go a little bit rapid fire. We spent a lot of time on Sulawesi and, and forest and tortoises specifically, which is such an important topic. So I'm happy that we yeah. did, but you know, I, I do want to talk to you a little bit about kind of how yeah. you got to where you are today, a little bit more about your journey. I'm really interested in your, you know, degree in psychology and how that works into things even today, that sort of thing. So right. can you talk a little bit, yeah. like, how did Christine get from those younger days in New York to into conservation, animals in general? What did that journey look like early on?
2: Yeah, so... um Yeah, like I said, I grew up in New York, went to high school and college in Manhattan. So, I I mean, I'm a city girl. I never went out looking for tortoises or uh, turtles when I was young. Um, I, I, my love of animals sort of started, I used to go to Florida all the time with, uh, you know, with my family and we went to ocean world, I think it was called, and they had this pool, um, you know, with dolphins in it. And I would literally like spend the entire day at this pool, just playing, you know, playing with the dolphins. So, so that sort of got me into, um, you know, wanting to maybe work with animals, but, you know, like I said, I grew up in New York, so I graduated from college, um, psychology. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I, you know, I switched from finance. Um, So I moved to California with, uh, with an ex-boyfriend at the time. And, um, you know, I was doing some office work. And one day I decided that I wanted to get into marine biology. So, um, uh, yeah. So, you know, sort of when I get something in my mind, I, Mm -hmm. I just, like, I do it, you know, I, I, whatever it takes, I do it. So I wanted to be a marine biologist. So I started doing research and um, I started volunteering at a small aquarium uh, in California. Um, uh, volunteered there, got a part-time job there, sort of worked my way into a larger aquarium, um, Was a, became an aquarist there. Um, I also moved for work. So uh, I moved to Georgia. I worked at the Georgia Aquarium Uh, for about five years. And my last aquarium was um, uh, Denver Aquarium, uh, Downtown Aquarium, Denver. So while I was there, um, I guess I started there 2010. So while I worked there, I uh, had an Asian turtle exhibit. So this sort of my first, you know, I mean, I worked with sea turtles before, Um, But this was my first, you know, freshwater turtle exhibit, and um, we had a sick uh, painted terrapin. Um, Long story short, uh, he had ingested um, gravel, so we had to do surgery. Um, So they removed a portion of his plastron, and um, when they went to put it back on, it didn't quite fit right, so uh, the area went necrotic, the plastron portion fell off, um, so... (laughs) I took him home and rehabbed him for about I think six months in my house, and um, yeah, and and ever since we have a really cute picture. I don't know if Steve can put it up, but <laughs> of of the the terrapin that I worked with. Um, so anyway, was that so, a full grown uh, male? Um, he was. Um, he was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's and, wonderful. So, um, that's the
0: species that gets the really beautiful mm-hmm. um, coloration on the head. Yes, yeah. Yes, so, that's the, the, little, cool. the little
2: guy I worked with. Yeah, he was the sweetest thing. I named him Lovebug. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I presented my first TSA conference. Um, I presented on the work I did with with that terrapin. Um, so, yeah, so working with him, I just decided that I wanted to do turtle conservation. And, yeah. Um, so I went to TSA I uh, 2012, presented um, on the work that I did with him, and I met uh, Eric, Eric Good, from the, from the TC, and Paul Gibbons, Dr. Gibbons. And uh, so that was in August. Uh, long story short, I did an internship, like kind of a working internship at the TC, in October of that year. And then in January of the following year, I started working at the TC. So, um, yeah, so it was actually, you know, pretty quick, um, you know, I got into turtle conservation uh, pretty, pretty quickly. You know, it worked out really well for me, um, you know, from August, the TSA conference um, to January when I started at the TC. So uh, yeah, yeah, so that's sort of how I got into, um, into turtle conservation. I mean, honestly, at this point, you know, I thought I'd work my way up in the aquarium world. You know, I was assistant curator at the Denver Aquarium and I figured, oh, you know, I'll become curator, maybe director of a, you know, of an aquarium one day. And nope. Then that terrapin came into my life, into my life. And uh, and yeah. So mm-hmm. then I sort of veered off again into, um, into turtle conservation. So yeah. So here yes, I am. I love it. That's,
3: a <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. That's yeah.
2: Cool. yeah. yeah. Do you? That's
3: an important turtle a very important turtle right there yeah. it
2: is yeah it kind of changed um that one turtle kind of changed um you know changed my traje- trajectory of my life again so
0: do you feel that you're um you so so to me like you we talk about kind of how you've had a a different story than some of the other folks who are like leading this type of charge around the world. And I see somebody who's like well-spoken captivating. We, we liked your, we loved your, your talk, part of that is, is you, you're the one selling it. Right. And and you've got your psychology degree. So, so you're a talented, on some level you have to be a talented people person to be able to, to, to do what you do and be who you are. But now you're in a world of kind of bookworm, really intelligent people, animal people who maybe lack the, the, people skills sometimes do you think that that gives you like an interesting unique place in this world where you bring something unique to the table because that's the sort of stuff that really gets me excited sorry
2: yeah I mean I mean to be honest you know to be honest I think um I think I'm kind of shy and I have some you know like I'm I don't like presenting I get super super nervous about it um so I don't think I'm a very, like, I, I don't know why I chose psychology. Um, I think I did because it was my minor and I really just wanted to graduate and I, I was like failing all my finance classes. So I was just like, well, I got to do something, you know, so I just switched, you know, I took two years off um, and then I just switched to psychology. So I don't think I ever really wanted to necessarily go into psychology and deal with people, Um I, I definitely like animals a lot more than I like people anyway. So, you know, so um, that's definitely, um, yeah, I, I don't, I think I'm more sort of like you people, you know, like you, like you said, you know, sort
3: of. You
2: people, what are you trying you to You know, do? like, yeah. <laughs> Well, I, no, I, I like being a Steve. part of that whole thing. I, I'd much rather hang out with my tortoises and yeah. my bearded dragons than go out. And um, yeah, so so I think I sort of, this is a good place for me to be, you know. My, I mean, I can be very outgoing and, um, and friendly, um, but I also am sort of introverted too. So I don't mind, you know, just being that sort of. Exactly. Exactly. Yes, I get overwhelmed too if there's like too many people, or, or I need a break from it. So, um so I think this is a, you know where I belong. <laughs> I guess I would say that's
3: really cool. I have yeah, a question for you from yeah. the chat also. Uh, so this is from Steven Suentes. I don't know if I'm saying your name right. Sorry, I apologize if I'm not. Uh, oh, hi, Steven. Both.
0: Hi, Steven. Uh,
3: so he asks, "How can <laughs> we help you as the viewers?" But before you say that, I want to say one last one thing, real quick. Steve just put up a GoFundMe for a uh, Stop Turtle Races. I've never seen this before. Um, and they're only $24. away from hitting their goal of $20,000. Yeah, so we
2: haven't even talked about my other project. Yeah.
1: Right. Is this your project? Oh, that's right. That's right. The Turtle Races, yeah.
2: Yeah. Nice, Kev. I know Alex. Alex. Let's hit it. Yeah, Alex Let's... is going to be, like, really bummed. I haven't talked about Turtle Races yet.
0: <laughs> oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Okay. Two, two things okay. I wanted to get yeah. to, and that's one of them, yeah. But please, go ahead. Tell us about the Turtle Races.
3: Okay. And how we can help you? Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So,
2: okay. so, so, so if it's something else, money always helps, obviously. Um, <laughs> so we didn't really talk about we didn't we didn't really talk about the about the issues I had with Sulawesi. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was there was a lot of issues. And, you know, I think a lot of them uh, sort of stem from the fact that I don't have a background in biology, or, um, you know, I'm very new to the field, you know, I mean, technically, I've only been doing turtle working with turtles, um, for what, eight years, eight years, I guess. And, you know, like a lot of a lot of you, a lot of these other people have been doing it for, I don't know, your whole life. So, You know, so I think that caused a lot of red flags with people or maybe some people thought that, um, you know, I shouldn't be doing this. And, you know, because there's other people or other organizations that should be doing it, you know, they have more experience, whatever. So. So anyway, so I guess last year, the Sulawesi project ended, you know, there was a lot of issues. Um, My counterparts, um, you know. I wasn't getting, um, how, uh, like, uh, agreement sign that we needed. They're very big on like MOUs and things like that. So, um, you know, organization that I was working with here, we just really weren't vibing very well. So, so basically bottom line is the project ended. Um, I went to Sulawesi in November of last year, sort of to say goodbye to everybody because, you know, I had made like like, great friends there, you know, like family. I I have another photo um, of this, a group of us that, um, you know, I consider them my family. I talk to them all the time. They're, you know, they used to hunt Iwanawai. He doesn't hunt them anymore. And and he says it's because of me and what I've taught him. So, um, you know, these people, I, I grew to love them. So, Uh, So anyway, so I went back in November to sort of say goodbye to everybody, you know, have a last trip to Sulawesi and, um, you know, it was super sad. Um, It was really difficult to think, you know, that the project was ending for me. Um, Anyway, sorry, Uh, you know, because I kind of dedicated years, you know, years to this project. And um, so, okay, so anyway, I come back from Sulawesi and I'm just like, well, what am I going to do now? You know, it's like, I, I want to still work with turtles. So, um, so Alex Heave, who runs the Turtle Race Task Force, he uh, was recruiting for volunteers to uh, to help him out with this project that he's working on. And he had started the project um, when he was in high school, so uh, like ten years ago. And um, but he was in high school, you know, he's he's a young kid. Um, he really. You know, couldn't get things going. So somebody suggested, oh, you should you know get this project going again. So I came across his post on Facebook and was just like, oh, cool. You know, this is another project I could work on. It's with box turtles, which um, I love box turtles. It's actually the first turtle I had was um, uh, was a box turtle, an ornate box turtle. So um, I was like, okay, I'll get involved. Um, you know, I'll get involved in this project. This sounds you know, it's it's animal welfare sort of. Um, you know, I'm vegan. So, you know, so I, I, you know, animal welfare is, is important to me. Um, so yeah, so that's basically how I got involved in, um, in the turtle race project. And within that few months, I guess I got back from Sulawesi in November and, um, I got involved in the turtle races, probably December or January. And then Sulawesi started again, because I, like I said, I don't really give up. You know, I sort of, I'm not going to give up on things. So I'm just like, there's got to be a way for me to, you know, continue this project. Um, so I'm now working with a local organization in Sulawesi. It's run by two um, young women conservationists. They're based in Sulawesi. Um, they we have a team now who um, who lives in Habitat and they've done um, uh, three rounds of surveys already for for and I again. So, uh, yeah. So the, so then Sulawesi started back up. So now I have these two projects, um, these two projects that I'm working on. Um, so, yeah. So it's been a bit overwhelming getting them, you know, working on both of them. But um, but yeah. So so turtle races. Yeah. So, um, you know, again, growing up in New York. I had no idea what a turtle race was. I mean, you know, there's none, you know, in my area. So, uh, you know, talking to Alex and and doing some more research, um, it's basically staggering, um, how many races there are and what goes on at these races. Uh, so there's about 600 races across the country. Uh, it's in about 28 States and, um, yeah. I mean, do you guys know? Do you guys know about these races? No. Um, I, I, have actually, you heard
3: I'm, about them? I'm reading right now.
1: Yeah. No, I, I actually yeah. uh, don't know really much anything about it. I didn't know people even still did this with them. You know, the last I had heard about it was like, my God, oh, yeah. maybe seven years ago. Somebody asked me, I can't remember who it was, but somebody asked me uh, if I would, because uh, I, I do – all the rescue for my most of the rescue for my state. And it's obviously primarily red-eared sliders that get ditched or surrendered. And somebody had asked me, right. they saw a post or something saying, uh, you know, we see that you've taken a lot of red sliders. Would you be willing to offer some up for turtle racing? Uh, and this was somewhere down south. Oh my gosh. And yeah. no, And I obviously did not do it, but that was the last I'd even heard any anything about this. Yeah.
0: Um, Well, the main issue with, with turtle races is that they're, it's like a rattlesnake roundup. You're going out and catching these wild box turtles for the race. And then they're just, whatever's happening to them is happening. And then you get the mixing of the genetics because all these box turtles came from all these different areas and they're now being released wherever or (sighs) kept or, you know, no matter what happens, it's going to be bad. Once they're taken out of the wild, that's just bad. Mm. So it's that added wrinkle, but please Christine.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So basically they're, you know, collecting turtles for these races, you know, maybe weeks or months in advance. They're keeping them in in awful conditions. Um, and then race day comes. So, you know, these are mostly uh, in the summertime. So around festivals, you know, 4th of July, there's about, there's over a hundred races on the 4th of July Jeez. that happen across the country. Yeah. And if we, you know, some, some people take the turtles from one race to another. Um, but there's some races that have over 400 turtles entered into them and they're mostly box oh. turtles, uh, mostly three toads. Um, uh, not, not, not too many ornates. Um, and yeah, so there's about 600. And so once race day comes, you know, they're raced in the heat of the day. So they're usually, you know, like in the middle of the day on concrete or asphalt So, you know, the the ground is, um, like, over 100 degrees. Uh, The turtles are painted. I have some photos, like, um, maybe if if Steve wants to, um, just to show some of the conditions that the turtles are kept in. Um, um, Hey, I want um, to if somebody
3: um, donated money to hit your goal. Hey.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, so yes, yeah. We we were twenty four dollars away from uh, our twenty thousand dollar goal. So that's awesome. Woo-hoo. Now you're twenty five over
0: just remember that the podcast yeah. helped oh, you how- that.
2: Oh, it's over? So it more than twenty thousand?
3: Yeah. Wow. You can keep going.
2: Fantastic.
0: Oh really?
2: my
3: gosh, it's awesome! <laughs> so, Who did, um, do you know
0: who donated it?
3: See, oh, uh, see Kevin, did turtles? somebody say it? Uh, let me refresh and see. It was. Oh, Eric that's R- a Blanding. R- Eric Roth and Obang. Blanding, sorry, yeah, right. and there's a. Thank I think, think
1: there's guys. a. I got questions. A photo ahead, of wood sorry.
2: turtles. I think there's photos of. wood. I think I posted some photos of wood turtles
1: uh, being, I just, yeah. being used. There is nowhere in the Blanding's turtles range, same thing with the North American wood turtle where they can be removed for any reason whatsoever. So it's, who's not, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Who's not uh, it's almost like shame on some of these states for not. Oh,
2: yeah, some of those pictures, but, um, oh yeah, well, that's the thing. You know, it, it doesn't seem to be, you know, a lot of the state biologists or, um, you know, the, the, the state authorities, They're not regulated. They're not monitored. Like, nobody's keeping track of these things. Um, So that's why this project is really important. So, um, you know, basically what our plan is, uh, well, this year we were supposed to start, but obviously COVID. um, Oh, my God. Yeah, that's one of the conditions. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And there was also a photo um, of somebody hot gluing an American flag to the carapace of a box turtle.
1: America. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez.
2: exactly yeah i mean i you know i don't want to say where these races are but you mm-hmm. know they're you know oklahoma kansas um you know illinois place you know places anyway <laughs> um so
3: i mean i think uh, you should say exactly where they are
1: yeah exactly yeah. i don't want yeah, to say yeah, it, but I will. <laughs> yeah. um
2: yeah That's there's crazy. the hot glue i mean they're hot gluing American flag to the back of a to the carapace of a, of a box turtle. Yeah, what a
0: it's proud moment! Giving.
2: Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. I think that would yeah. put a lot And, and these too, are,
2: so. you know, these braces <laughs> have been around for Yeah, it's it's just that's true. He's not gonna win. So even like the whole concept, you know, they put them all in the middle in a circle uh, and they paint like a like a, um, a chalk outline and they lift the box and then the first turtle to exit the, the chopped line is the winner. I mean, you know, I guess they don't have much other, you know, things going on during these festivals. So it's, you know, this is very popular. This, you know, people are very adamant about these races and it's a very important tradition to them. So, right. you know, trying to get these stopped or regulated is, is, is not going to be easy. Um, but basically, so what our plan is, um, we have, um, as of our last recruitment, we have one hundred and seventy five uh, volunteers across across the u s. Um, off the top of my head, um, I think the only state that we don't have volunteers is I wrote down. Anybody out there from North Dakota, there are actually eight races in North Dakota, so we need volunteers there to attend races. Um so anybody listening knows anybody in North Dakota? Um, so, what our plan is is to have a volunteer at every single turtle race next year, and collecting. What does data. that look so like? So, how many turtles? Collecting are
1: data. Babies?
0: Got it.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, how many turtles? Uh, undercover, though. We're you know we're not hmm. going to announce what we're doing. So. Uh, you know, photo. You know, photographic evidence. The conditions the turtles are kept in. Um, how many turtles are being used? Uh, any endangered or protected species? Um, you know, we do know wood turtles are used. Uh, the Blanding's turtles. Um, the ornate box turtle is is uh, protected in Illinois, and that species is being used as well. So, collecting data. Um, you know, on each race. We also have some veterinarians on, um, as volunteers. And, uh, we also want to do health assessments on these, on some of these species. A lot of the, um, like after the races, a lot of the turtles are just abandoned. So, um, they'll be left in boxes. Like you saw, they'll be left in boxes on the side of the road Mm -hmm. or, you know, they'll bring them to a body of water and just dump them there. You know, they don't care that they're box turtles, um, I had another photo of uh, some guy uh, letting people put turtles in the back of his pickup truck. So there's this giant, you know, bed of a pickup truck with very little shade, and all these poor turtles are just, you know, clamoring to get to this little shaded area because the sun's beating down on them. Um, so we definitely want to do health assessments to, um, uh, you know, to document stress levels. Um, You know, do some disease testing. And that's like sort of phase two. And then and then phase three is basically um, will be our community outreach and, um, you know, appealing to all the local uh, like state biologists and organizations to get these races, um, you know, hopefully, I mean, hopefully banned, but at least regulated uh, Mm -hmm. at some sort of, you know, level.
1: So, I think so that's I think the plan. This Like is... I said, we were
2: going to start this year.
1: Go ahead. Sorry. Oh. Did I? Break no, up?
2: sorry. You you, oh. you Yeah, you froze for a minute.
1: Go ahead. Keep going.
2: <laughs> oh no! No, I was done. Your turn. Oh okay. <laughs>
1: um, I was going to say I think it's really important that you know, and it's unique that you're doing this because, I mean, even me, like I didn't, I didn't even know that these things were still going on. So it it'd be great to bring this to the attention of law enforcement and, and you know, like you were saying same with the biologists and stuff like that, because when it comes to a lot of things that involve turtles and I guess, you know, mainly turtles in the United States that uh, it's all, you know, the pet trade, the pet trade, the pet trade poaching for the pet trade pushing it, but they don't even know that some of these things are going on and they're just as bad, if not worse, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's,
2: right, uh, exactly. it's, yeah. it's, I, I did it's forget. Nice. Yeah. I did forget to mention that there is a new, um, a new safe program for, uh, the AZA safe program right, right. for, uh, North American turtles. Yep. And so the turtle races is now a part of that program.
1: Oh, okay. I didn't, uh, I didn't even know. It was yeah. Been- Very cool. That's great.
2: Yeah. So-
1: they,
2: um, it's, it's just sort of implementing now and it's sort of been a little bit delayed like everything else because of covid. Um, but turtle races is one of the objectives within this program, <laughs> which is great because it's going to bring it to the attention of the ACA community. Um, there's law enforcement that's also involved in the in the safe program. So it's going to give us a lot more exposure than, um, you know, than we had before. Um, you know, just kind of doing it, uh, you know, basically on our own with, um, you know, we have a fiscal sponsor, which is, uh, the Colorado reptile humane society. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, so it's, it's definitely going to give us more exposure, um,
3: being a part of the safe program now. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, have you personally been like boots on the ground at one of these?
2: I have not. No, I, um, I have never been to one. Um, and like I said earlier, I, um, you know, animal welfare is, it's really difficult for me to see that kind of stuff. And I honestly, I don't really want to, to go to any of these races. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm going to Likely have to just because, um, you know, I am so involved in the project right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Alex Heeb, who is the director of the project, uh, you know, we kind of work together on writing all the grants um, and things like that. So I, I'm really invested in this project, you know, much like I am in Sulawesi. So, um, you know, I feel that I really do need to, you know, to experience it firsthand. Sure. Um, it's going to be difficult, though. I don't want to see you know i don't really want to see that kind of stuff it's hard for me to look at the photos yeah you know let alone see it in person so yeah so it's not so, gonna be easy
3: so i'm assuming you know this then um for the most part what are the people doing with the turtles afterwards i know you said some they bring them to other races but are they just just being like all right well i took this 20 miles from here i'm gonna drop it off here do you have any idea of that kind of data?
2: yeah i mean Yeah, a lot of the races, a lot of the race organizers will say to people, oh, please return it, you know, to where you got it from, you know, they imprint on a certain area. But, you know, these people, they don't, they they don't really, it's just, it's just an entertainment, you know, an entertainment thing for them. So, you know, a lot of them are dumped somewhere, um, you know, in, in different areas. And who knows, you know, there might be other populations there that they're impacting, Um, you know, bringing diseases to that area. So, um, and I mean, who's going to remember, like what person's going to remember, you know, exactly maybe where they found this. Well, that's another thing. A lot of people probably find turtles on the side of the road, right? I mean, these, you know, people, they don't know how to find box turtles. Like they're not going out like a herper, you know, trying to look for box turtles. They're going to be driving down the road and they're going to see a box box turtle on the side of the road and they're going to say oh there's a race in a month we should grab that turtle you know they're going to bring it home putting it put it in a box and give it some you know iceberg lettuce for a month so yeah. so that's mm-hmm. I, you know my personal idea is that's what's happening you know they're just randomly opportunistically finding turtles and um you know keeping them for you know like i said two weeks a month who knows mm-hmm. and then after the race you know just dumping them somewhere
3: so i'm wondering yeah. if these races primarily happen in like pockets where there's large populations. Like for instance, if I'm driving around Connecticut, I'm really, really hard pressed to find like an Eastern box turtle. Well, for instance, like when right. I went down to visit Chris, like the five mile stretch to his house before his house, I saw like six, you know, which was insane on the road. Yeah, I have a buddy in Tennessee man, hard.
1: once
3: a week, once a week, you know, he posts a video of him like moving a box turtle across the street. So Yeah.
2: Yeah. So that, yeah. I mean, You know, I'm not too up on the geography of these areas, you know, but they're Mm -hmm. mostly in very rural, um, you know, rural areas that these races are happening. They're at like festivals, um, you know, like county fairs and festivals. And that's where the races are happening, you know, not in big cities or or even near big cities, probably. Yeah, Mm -hmm. more rural where you're likely to find more turtles, you know, maybe less Um, human impacts, you know, uh, less development, things like that. So, um, yeah. I, you I know, I, I don't think people are probably traveling far to find turtles. Yeah. Um, so they are probably, you know, quite a few in their areas.
1: It's amazing to me how people still decorate or paint the shell of a turtle. And, you know, what's funny is like what Kevin was saying with the, with them, there's a lot of here, luckily, but, uh, the locals here, the old timers, still paint their shells, but they're doing it so that you don't hit them with the lawnmowers. That's why they, they don't understand. Oh, so like
2: they're pets. Oh, yeah. like
1: so. You will yeah. I've come across them several times in the woods and they're they've got spray paint that's been on them for probably the last twenty five years or more. And you know, it's it's coming off, but it's still like really embedded into the ridges of the, you know, the carapace scoots and uh but you know they they think they're doing the right thing here. They're spray painting them so that when they mow their lawns, they don't hit them because the, the there's a very big population of them here. But it it just right. seeing those photos reminded me. It's just amazing how many people still paint a turtle. Yeah, shot. Oh.
2: I mean at least those people are mean well. <laughs> you know they're trying not to hit them. You know yeah. these people are using them for races or you know just decorating them. And they're I think they might also have contests like the you know, the best decorated turtle or the best, you know, yeah. They're perpetuating that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Some races say, you know, don't paint the turtles. It's not good for them. But, you know, the majority of them are, are, they have little, uh, little care about the turtles themselves. It's just a means of entertainment. You know, they mix them with toad races. You know, they also have, you know, toad races and things like that. Like, I think there was another picture of some turtles and toads in the same, um, in the same bucket that, you know, that I had. So yeah, it's that they, they just don't, you know, the, the, they just don't care
0: yeah. about the
2: actual turtles. It's just entertainment.
0: Yeah. yeah. Entertainment and tradition. And that's, that's important. And, to
2: and tradition. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Right. That's tough to yeah. break. And, and, um, you know, yeah. in, in a ever changing quick, very quickly changing world, it's mm-hmm. it's natural for for us to really hold on to our traditions and and right. try to keep those keep whatever ones we can um, and and that's an unfortunate part is is trying to work with people who you know their tradition and and their childhood you're taking a piece of that away so being able to work with exactly. someone who doesn't see things the way you do has a completely different perception and doesn't care what the science is they care about what's important to them, not what's important to you. Yeah. So that's the difficulty that that you have. So a a super important project. So as, as we move towards kind of wrapping up the episode, I just want to, I just want to say, you know, the turtle room is on your side, reach out whatever you need. Um, We're willing to use our social media um, outlets to try to, you know, communicate to people in North Dakota, to get um, some of our people as boots on the ground, if that That helps and to share the things that you're doing and, and reach out. Um, a platform, if you want to publish on any of the things you're you're seeing in our blog or things like that, um, whatever we can do to help. Um, awesome. I, I feel Thank as you. as excited and energized as you know when we watched you talk um, in in 2018. Um, so the last thing I would be remiss if I didn't ask. Um, Kevin, Chris, and I each have two daughters, and Steve has cats, and um, we do that every time. <laughs> We do that but, every um, time. I know. I, I just <laughs> can't not do it's it. Funny. But, I, um, love it. <laughs> I know. It's just. I just have to. I'm sorry. So I'm that guy that repeats jokes now. I'm, as I mentioned, as I'm mentioning right now. I'm a dad. Exactly. Thank you, Kev. Oh, I so, want to
3: end the episode by the way with a, a great dad reptile joke. Okay. Oh, so sure. hold on to that
0: because because we're not there yet. But I just want to. I, I just. I just want to ask you about like being a a female in a very male dominated arena and and like i you know i want i can't wait till my daughters get a little older and they and i could tell them to to tune in to see to see people like you to see strong women like you who are are, you get your mindset on something and nothing's going to stop you and you just keep working at it yeah and and it's so inspiring and and it's something that i want to see more of so i get so excited um with the work that you're doing, I'm just wondering if you could speak to, you know, what it's like to be, um, to be a woman in this, in this world and, you know, maybe a little bit of what the challenges are like, or, you know, kind of just what that's like, because obviously
1: yeah.
0: on this male dominated show that you're on right now, for instance, I think that that's a really important thing that we can't give to people. So I'm asking you if you would be interested in, in sharing some of that with us.
2: Yeah. So I mean I think one of the things that helped me a lot was that I am older, <laughs> you know, than a than a lot of, you know, people or, or women, girls who are trying to get into the industry. So um, you know, I, I've had a lot of experiences in my life. I've dealt with a lot of things. Um, so that definitely helps. Um, you know, I, I'm you know, more secure with myself and and I've experienced a lot. So it's I think it was easier for me as an older woman coming into the field and, um, you know, it, it, it's really intimidating. Like I remember my first TSA conference. Um, I mean, I didn't know anyone, you know, I mean, I had talked to Rick Hudson um, one time on the phone because I had raised some money for uh, for their project uh, with Joko for the badger. Um, but I mean, I came in knowing no one, um, Mm -hmm. but I, you know, I think, um, you know, if it's, if it's something that you're passionate about, um, you know, you, you just have to, um, you just have to stick with it. You know, you, you just can't give up and there, it's going to be difficult. Like it was super difficult. Like I said, um, I didn't, you know, really get into too much, um, a little bit about, you know, Sulawesi and, Um, But it was hard, you know, it was really, really hard. But, um, you know, and I think things are getting better. You know, I think things are are progressing a little bit. Um, Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's like you just can't give up. You know what I mean? Like you you just have to push forward, um, you know, try and find like a, a core group of people um, you know, I I enjoy working with smaller smaller organizations now than you know larger ones. I think um, you know larger ones have um, sort of different agendas than small organizations. Um, you know, there's more egos involved. There's more um, uh, you know reputation and and you know who's well we want, who's doing what and taking credit for other people's work and things like that. And, um, you know, and, and and also, um, you know, you, you don't have to necessarily work with these larger organizations. You know, there, there are great small organizations out there like you guys, you know, that are very inclusive and, and, um, you know, uh, will, will work with anybody and, and don't, you know, it doesn't matter your gender or, um, you know, how much experience you've had and, uh, you know, and, and also a little karma too, you know, like uh, with Sulawesi, um, you know, when the project ended, um, you know, no one was going to do it, you know, it wasn't like, um, you know, somebody else was going to take over the project and get it done. So, um, you know, I, I, kind of wanted to prove, uh, you know, prove some people wrong that I could do this, (laughs) you know, I I could keep this project going. And, uh, so, yeah, so, you know, a little bit of, um, you know, sort of, of karma and, you know, you know, a little, a little bit of revenge that, you know, you can do this, like,
1: Mm
2: -hmm. you know, like, Sorry. Yeah. It's, it's hard, you know, difficult um, topic to talk about. Um, But, you know, if, if it's something that you want, you know, like tell your daughters, you just have to go for it.
1: Um, Mm -hmm.
2: And find those people who will support you. You know, there are people out there who will support you. Not everyone's going to turn on you or not everyone, um, you know, is is not going to give you an opportunity. Like you'll find somebody to give you an opportunity or somebody that will work with you. Um, so, you know, you just, you just have to keep going and, and, and make it work. That's yeah.
0: Yeah. I love it. It, But it's not going to be easy. Yeah. Yeah. I I can't thank you enough for, for sharing that with us for, for being here. Kevin, do you have a, do you have a joke that you wanted to tell? Is that going to happen? Yeah,
3: an end joke. (laughs) It's so (laughs) happening. Uh, I really like daddy, you know, uh, I I love when you
0: can see his teeth. He's beer. so happy. Yeah, that's why he's so right. happy
3: right now. That's I'm, when you I'm, know. Uh, first, though, you got another donation from Chris Drake. For uh, you are now at twenty thousand dollars, twenty thousand fifty dollars.
0: Thank so, you, Chris. Awesome. Oh my that's gosh!
3: Awesome, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: So Thank cool. You so
2: much, guys. I, this I think, is a cool know, guy. We we do have we do have some Turtle Room people um, as volunteers. Uh, Miranda mm-hmm. is one of awesome. our volunteers, and uh, Andy.
1: Awesome. So Love it.
2: Andy Weber. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So you guys are, you guys are involved and now, you know, hopefully more you guys, you know, we can kind of work together. And, you know, I also would love to work with you guys, um, you know, Sulawesi too, because that's, uh, you know, that's important to you guys as well working with um, you know, with Forston. So, so yeah, we need to talk more after, after the, after the podcast.
0: That sounds good. All right. You taking notes back there, Steve? I know you are. All right, Kev, hit us with it.
3: Here we go. You ready for this, everybody?
0: Nope. Not at all.
3: We're why, ready. Why can't you hear a pterodactyl urinate?
0: I don't know why. Because the pee is, is silent.
3: silent. Come yeah, on! No. Oh, you just oh, came gosh. From him. I don't want him to know it. My <laughs> it's my punchline. Too line.
1: easy. You gotta That's let him so have the punchline. That's line, a good though. one.
2: My, <laughs> That's uh, a good
0: one. It's something I'm pretty decent at. My kids, my my wife, and kids hate me for it. That I can, I can, I can often. I won't say. I won't say. Like majority of the time, because it's not, but I can often guess more often than I probably should can guess the, those corny jokes. All
3: right. Here's the test then. What do you yeah. call an alligator in a vest?
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know. We're on air, so I don't want to think about it too long, but an I would take probably... the gator. Yeah, there you go. Ah, oh my gosh. Ah, I, like, I, I
1: like that one. That's a good this, one. That's good. That's uh, great. I really <laughs> love these.
0: That's, I hate
1: but that's a, a really good
0: list. one. I think it's the worst. I've
1: got ones on uh, par with that, but they have nothing to do with reptiles. So. so we'll be back
0: here next month. Kevin won't be invited. but We'll be <laughs> back here next month for another. Hey, episode you're your
1: box. You got another donation.
0: Come on.
3: Yeah. What? Oh, bang came.
2: Man, back. I should have started a. 20, six. That's fifty dollars. That's awesome. I should have oh, started oh. a GoFundMe for Sue too. We should have done
0: yeah. both of them. <laughs> next, time. next time. Next time. Well,
2: that's awesome.
0: Yeah, this is terrific. See, this is this is what it felt like in, at TTPG. How we started the show, talking about what a great feeling it was. It's just mm-hmm. your work is super inspiring, and um, we can't thank you enough for being here. So thank you so much, Christine.
2: Thank you so much for having thank me. You. Sorry, I got a little emotional, but that's that's hey, just good. No, yeah, I loved
0: it. Don't don't
1: ever change or apologize for emotion himself. is good. I won't. Yeah. Yeah, Incredible. I think that's what gets
2: that's me awesome. through. So yeah.
1: All right. All right, guys. Thanks,
3: guys. Have a nice evening.
2: Okay, bye, guys.